When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Foundation and Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Foundation on Apple TV+. This week, we're covering Season 1, Episode 9, titled The First Crisis. Respect and enjoy the podcast. Aaron, how are you feeling about Episode 9? I was I was a nervous wreck watching this episode because I'm like, there's there's a couple points where I'm like, oh, this is they're just this is just this is just fucking up. This is just uh, oh boy! You know, I, don't, I, I don't I don't know what kind of like COVID related difficulties are causing this, um, but uh, I woof woof. This is, but then I started like I'm, I'm talking in particular the Imperial Escape. You know, um, I'm like this just seems like what a like 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 an escape from a movie like E.T. or Flight of the Navigator would look like. You know, just something that like you just just enough detail for kids to enjoy. But then it turns out it was just all put on. I'm like, okay. And just as I was, you know, kind of settling with that, it became like a put on within a put on. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I kind of, I kind of like that. Um, and the other, like the stuff on Terminus, you know, it's like it became clear that something was happening with the vault and it was opening. And I, you know, we had just talked about this in the feedback episode, how it's a lot riding on this vault opening. Like if this vault opens yeah. and it's some kind of crazy, not even tangibly related concept to what is in the foundation, then I think you're going to have an all out book reader revolt. And they're just going to be like, well, fuck this. This isn't even foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out like, you know, I was just like, oh, fuck. What is this a wormhole? Is this some kind of, you know, gateway to the second foul? Like what kind of wild shit is this? Oh, my God. And it turns out mostly like you know uh th- just to be kind of like uh related to the book reveal anyway closely uh-huh. related it feels like oh yeah so oh, yeah. like this is obviously connecting episode from last week's at bombshell to what sure this to be kind of like a crazy episode uh like a, a mindfuck episode i think is how goyer described it next week but i was yeah i was a nervous wreck watching it because i always think man this it felt like ride the beast to king's island this thing's about to go off the rails uh it never quite got there but i was worried what do you what do you think i i do wonder what the quote-unquote mindfuck part is going to be of next week because is it going to be something for the book readers to chew on yeah. um that surprises them or is it going to be kind of you know pitched right down their lane but tv viewers are going to be Pulling their hair out, wondering what's happening. Is it possible that I mis- I'm misremembering and he's described this as the mindfuck episode? Because I I could I this think you could fairly episode. describe this as a mindfuck episode. Because yeah. as an audience member, I felt mindfucked. <laughs> uh, if I was Emperor Day, I would cert or Dawn, I would certainly feel mindfucked. Oh yeah, uh, I I actually like this episode quite a bit. Um, I, I see where there are some shaky parts. I I think that maybe the worst part of this episode, and there's a lot to talk about that's good here. So I'll start with the worst. It is the gun hands thing i i don't know that was real dumb i why not just stay in the ship if you're going to use the ship to shoot you're a lot more protected i I think it's rule of cool run amok maybe there is a storytelling purpose for that but uh that's going to be useful in the the last episode but it did feel like yeah remember remember the matrix you know those those gun robots with the Uh fist guns and stuff (laughs) what if that but remote and ships you know 
Yeah, I mean, interesting concept, execution, eh, it looked silly to me. But um, the rest of this episode I thought was really good. Uh, I love that mural scene with Brother Dusk tipping his hand here, showing his hand that he knows that Don has some differences, and he knows exactly what those differences are, right? It's not even just... yeah. I think you're different. No, I know that color is your thing here and I'm going to prove it to you. And it's so fucking menacing. Like the hands on the shoulders, like appreciate the detail. And then he walks away Mm. and then you see the six of the things when he puts the, I'm like, that's fucking cool. That is really cool. And, and scary. Uh, I thought that was awesome. And then that's just the beginning, right? Like, because I have some questions around that. I'm like, why would, Brother Dusk tip his hand here. Why why play your card when you could keep that close to the vest and then surprise him with it later when it's more important? But like the episode very quickly um shows exactly why he was doing that, right? He's trying to root out these this resistance movement, whatever it is, whoever's behind the double dawn situation. Uh and so it just became even more rich as the episode went on. I, I was very impressed with that. And then I'm super impressed with Cassian Bilton, who's the the guy playing Don here. Uh, yeah, this episode changed my mind on him because I've been kind of iffy on his performance because mm-hmm. he's been playing this kind of it, it's like Joffrey, right? It's a character that I think is well played, but I don't like the character. And yeah. so when I see him in contrast to a character that's cool and competent and confident it's it's night and day and it's it's really impressive to see him play two very different characters side by side and that's the thing is it's not that don wasn't sympathetic but it was nice to hear like a character say like calm the fuck down this isn't about you yeah like this is about the billions if not trillions of people ground underneath your boot dude uh i mean 90 percent colorblind you would have never you would have never um had had a problem with any of this you would have just gone along yeah. with it uh because that's what you're programmed to do essentially sure yeah no, that stuff that, was re- that stuff was real good yeah 90 percent of the stuff he's had to do is being a little whiny um being a little emo and that always kind of gets under my skin a bit um and so to see him in a different performance here was great and i i honestly yeah. think he's someone to watch he hasn't been acting very long uh he's been in some shorts and i think this is his first like breakout role so um he, he was in a short that won some awards at sundance so it's not like they weren't good uh but yeah watch him because i think he's gonna go places how about terrence man oh, like, jesus i've man. always liked the dusk and day like that's the mm-hmm. that's these these have been great performances throughout um but i r- didn't really notice until he's like in someone's face red faced and screaming doing the lee pace thing yeah. Of like how really kind of Alec Guinness, uh, Ewan McGregor that they are doing, probably informing each other, trying to ape each other. I'm sure all that stuff was deliberate, but like it's just really good casting and, and really capturing the spirit of like, oh, this is the guy that rained down fire on an Acreon and Thespin. And this is the guy, you know, this is the same guy. Essentially, it's not literally the same guy, mm-hmm. but the bitched out all of the royal mathematicians and caused one guy to had to. to <laughs> Had a have a heart attack. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that stuff was was really good too. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, and I was I was glad to see some kind of I don't know movement. This all 
I don't know. The Terminus stuff has not felt great to me the entire time, but I feel like we are at a turning point with Terminus where now it's becoming integral to the story that they're telling um, in a way that Terminus should have always been, right? Um, And maybe it's just me not caring for the action nature of what they were doing there in what I wanted to be a high concept sci-fi show. Um, But now we're at a point where the vault is open we know what's inside, and if you're a TV show watcher, you have a shitload of questions, right? Like, there's not just Double Dawn this episode, it's Double Harry. Like, there's a Harry here, there's a Harry there. I don't know what's happening. I think it's going to get way more interesting on Terminus in the next season. And I, I do feel like I feel very strongly that regardless of your reservations thus far, that like at the end of episode 10, I think we're if you're a book reader, you're going to know exactly where you are in, yeah. in terms of the yeah. state of the canon. It feels like that it feels They're like bringing you're it around. kind of up in the air last episode, but it does feel like the long arc of continuity is starting to bend back towards the plot for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just when we were talking about uh, Terrence Mann, I, I happened to look up because I was like trying to think of like all the stuff I've seen him in. And it happened to be mentioned that he played Rum Tum Tugger in the 1982 Broadway version of Cats. And dear listener, if I had only known that 10 weeks ago, oh, the memes we would have had. <laughs> oh, the inside Cats memes. Not everyone would have enjoyed it. Maybe th- only three or four of you would have. But oh, we would have had a good time. Not every podcast uh, host would have enjoyed it. <laughs> you would have had look, a good time. I'm really, really looking forward to season two. Uh, nice. With that, having that information in my back pocket. All right. Okay. Uh, I think it's about time we got into the recap. But first, let's take a quick break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we start off with uh, young Salvor asking her father where humans came from. He tells her they came from another planet, but he's not sure which one. Apparently, the the commentary of that particular bit of history has been lost. Uh, she's confused as to why the Anacreons hate them if they're all from the same place. And he explains how emotions work and then uses the scenario to enforce her belief in the Foundation. Uh, do, do you want to talk about this scene separately from the flash forward here or the now. Yeah, I guess I do. I, and especially in, in terms of uh, Gail's. Yeah. Commentary or her, her voiceover, because most of them, I understood what they were going for, but this one where they say history is, is the greatest weapon. You know, you can make a villain become a hero, a lie, become the truth. Um, and, and she mentioned that this was her history. So she gets to kind of like have a say in that. I wasn't exactly sure what the point of that that dialogue was, like what she was trying to. Is is I think there's unreliable narration or or what you know. I don't know if I can say anything without spoilers on this. Mm. I I because I I really want to talk about that because I think there's some information there for us to to pull out. Uh. 
of what she's saying because we've we've speculated I, I think early on in the show that Gail might have a particular role in this this story it, but to say to, anything right now is a little too spoilery do you want to have a book spoiler section at the end of this maybe we should okay because I kind of want to talk about a couple things too okay uh, okay. So yeah, we will we'll we'll partition that off at the end, so uh, sensitive show watchers don't have to have their uh, spoiler spoiler senses triggered. The other thing that uh, it's nice to see Clark Peters back. It's mm-hmm. unexpected bonus bonus Peter episode, and it's my like I've seen people talking about the differences of show salver versus book salvor, and it looks like that this is a little bit trying to bridge the gap, like. Clark Peters is essentially espousing uh, a mature Salver's uh, hardens uh, like like you know like the the uh, violence is the last refuge of the incompetent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I think the Salver expresses in the novels and, and um, earlier in the show. I think there's a time when he says it and yeah. she rolls her eyes or something like right. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That he he's he uh, <laughs> she says that's ah, an old man's philosophy. He's like I came up with it when I was younger. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting and a nod to like what Salver will probably eventually become like the these influences will kind of mellow her and, and round her in that shape. Although I was also thinking that like violence is the last refuge of the incompetent. Um, I wonder what how, how you understand that in the terms of like a disadvantaged populace or like, uh, sure. you know, let's say you're a peasant, you're a medieval peasant and you want to address the lords for grievances and they just like, nah. We mm-hmm. got all the money. We got all the military. Uh, f- well, then, then you plot to have uh, one of those three clones stolen and take their nano blood. And <laughs> that's true. If you're really competent, them. you come up some next level plan like right? that. Uh, exactly. You know, sometimes I don't know, like was the, was the rebellion and in, in the Star Wars incompetent because <laughs> they finally blew up the Death Star or was that, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it depends on how you feel long term about the. And I guess like maybe even uh, even powerful empires, say the British Empire, can be undone by like a few hundred thousand to million uh, Indians kind of working together, doing hunger strikes and stuff. So like you can, Mm -hmm. you know, there's other ways to address it beyond violence, perhaps or suggesting there. But I I just thought it was interesting that this is a look into probably what we're going to see Salver become in this in in the season or two ahead. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And and. Boy, I hope she doesn't take on the mantle of her father's uh, c- corporate mottos is all I can really call them. You know, violence is the last re- resort of the incompetent. And also past behavior is a, the predictor of the future performance, whatever. That, that's so mm-hmm. like corporate speak. I've heard that in every office job I've ever had. <laughs> it's funny. It's the opposite of what you see in almost every prospectus from like a publicly traded company. It's like, oh, sure. Performance does not guarantee future performance. Right. Uh, but it is. It is the best indicator. Sure. Yeah. Good indicator. Um, so then we flash forward, which is actually back to now where we are mid jump on Invictus. Salvor sees the fight that she just had on the bridge play out again in slow motion this time. The jump ends and Salvor finds the ship orbiting Terminus and Lewis jacked in the navigator station dead, I presume. Uh, Salver tries to hail Terminus and also the Thespans, but has no luck reaching either. And then I think she spots Hugo's ship out the window. The beggar. Yeah. Lewis died hard. He's got Borg shit sprouting all over his face. That uh, that neural jacking (laughs) was not precise. 
It, no, it's precise. The problem is they couldn't find any neurons. They had to go all the way through his head <laughs> looking for neurons and found nothing. No brain detected. It just had <laughs> right. to keep probing and probing to find that fucking shrunken walnut of his. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. If they put it in a salvor, it'd just been, oh, you yeah. know, just, just a little, a, a little nice, neat puncture. But mm-hmm. um, she's got the nice fat, fat brain. Um, I, I was wondering, like, uh, what the point of the recent past stuff. Um, clearly there, I, I, I know there's been a lot of discussion about what Gail's power was like before and after the jump, but I also wonder if we're supposed to like, sure she had it before, but something was awakened greater in that jump process because it felt again, like, um, what's changed between the Salvor that failed to intuit her way into the cube and this one, like, I don't think it's been the she experience she's gained or. She opened, yeah, she opened her fist, but like she also went through the jump gate and her intuition is, is even heightened now, I think. Yeah, um, they do some pretty explicit connecting of Gale and uh, Harry and Salvor in this episode visually, oh, right? Yeah, they, when she's trying to open 100%. the prime radiant and the open the fist scene. Um, I don't know if they're trying to tell us that they are all like spiritually connected here or if there is some actual like physical thing uh in the universe that is binding them together like the force right um mm-hmm. how many midichlorians do they have i don't know exactly what that's that's getting at but they're definitely drawing them together in this episode or some kind of epigenetic memory that she's been able to tap in you know that we've talked about that in in relation to, yeah. to cloning and and going back to the what uh, to uh uh, both uh, Watchmen and Westworld. Uh, I also thought that part of the reason they showed that recent past segment is there's a nice shot where you just see the actress playing Farrah just emoting sheer hatred. Mm. And I think that that was like part of like, like that's the, that's the crisis. Like these people all hate each other and they have nothing in common. There's nothing to kind of unify them. And it's going to set her up for the, the resolution. I think, I think that's what they were getting at. So it's like, uh, yeah, like some that. kind of uh, greater awakening of this precognition and also uh, enabled her to intuit a solution to the problem here. Yeah. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting to the end of this when I guess Salvor takes the last refuge of the incompetent yeah. and takes out Farah. <laughs> I, I don't know. How, yeah. There, there's some stuff they're doing there with like, Hey, violence it's an is old man's philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> real, real stupid. And also I got to use it now. Yeah, sometimes I do. I do think that like that uh, it's the last refuge for sure. But incompetent, I don't know. Like uh, maybe incompetent people put you in there sometimes, too. I mean, maybe, um, maybe you, that's the point, but we'll we'll talk about that. Did you think um, did you have any problem? Because like when they first jumped and it went to and, and uh, I, I was like, huh, interesting. I assumed that Hugo would be rescued by the thespians and we'd hook up with them probably the next episode mm-hmm. but then when the ships were drugged through the hyperspace the quantum wake i'm like well that actually kind of makes sense this doesn't seem like it's a phenomenon that necessarily hugs the hull of the ship if you're close enough you're probably drugged through so but then i'm like well fuck hugo is just going to die out in that asteroid field there's no there's no fucking way they're going to get to him in time yeah um i i did did you buy the whole quantum the quantum wake thing uh yeah i did i didn't have a big problem with it okay um yeah i did too 
I guess I, I the only thing I might have a problem with is that you can just jab yourself with some random knockout juice, totally unmonitored, totally, you know, uh, why, why do you need the spacers if all you got to do is jab yourself with one of these juice sticks? I, here's the thing. I don't know how long. Take a melatonin the, and you're good. I don't know that we <laughs> need spacers. I, I don't. So some put you in a sleeper hold. Uh, I, right. I, I don't know what the perceived time of a hyperspace jump is. It seems almost instantaneous from a human perspective, but mm-hmm. I don't know that that's true. It might be so like uh, may, may, you, I think you're right to some extent that uh, our, our boy Hugo here got lucky that he got the duration of the knockout uh, correct because but I yeah, I don't know. It does seem like it's it's conscious experience of the warp is what drives you mad not going through it. So I don't think there's right. anything it's, it, it's, it'd be kind of like a doctor hitting you with a, a happy juice without an anesthetician there and just kind of quickly operating on you versus having a guy monitoring your heart rates and making sure you're staying under the whole, it's a lot it's more risky. fraught with peril yeah. and risky mm-hmm. uh, and, and a gamble. Um, but also, yeah, I, I, I didn't have, I guess I didn't have a, a huge problem with it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, dying, dying in a hyperspace jump is the last refuge of the incompetent as well. So I guess try what you can, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dying in shame (laughs) and failure is everyone's last resort. You You can always resort to last resort. Yeah, exactly. That's our birthright as humans (laughs) to die fucking up. (laughs) Uh, All right. Next scene is Don and Azura planning his escape route. Apparently, they're going to go through with this thing. Uh, Azura says she can get him a signal damper for his nanobots so that they can't track him. She promises she won't let him down. Yeah, I like uh, there's there's a, a little bit more ominous reading on second watch when he goes, I just don't want to die here. She goes, oh, you won't. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh yeah. Um, and and yeah, it's like this is some cold blooded shit you say. And when you go through a second watch, um, and here's where it's like, I'm like, I started being like, oh, you know, like, am I supposed to understand that she's just way too optimistic about being able to land her hands on this technology? Like last episode, she's like, oh, there's machines that can filter nanobots. And right. this one's like, I got it. I can get a dampener for your nanobots. I'm like, OK, this sounds like a, this sounds like a teenager making stupid promises they don't know nothing about. Um, and when it seemed like it was going according to plan, I started being like, I just don't buy that this is bushwhacking the empire, man. I just don't. I just yeah. don't. And thankfully, it didn't. Turns yeah. out that was that. But I was getting real worried at parts of this at parts of this episode. Yeah. Uh, do you think the face swapping is real or do you think that's just total bullshit? Just complete fabrication. Oh, I have no doubt that they can swap faces like this. Yeah. Their medical technology seems just Those nanobots, incredible. Yeah. Those nanobots, like I, I'm surprised they don't have like you know. Uh, I think there's uh, they're called like face dancers in Dune. Like people can shift their face in real time. Like I'm surprised you can't just like you know you, you got perfect cloaking technology and you got these nanobots and uh yeah I, I I have zero zero problem with them doing all kinds of weird shit like that. Which again. That's something you got to be careful for with if, with that kind of technology, because you can just infinitely buffalo and baffle your audience until yeah. they just don't give a shit. Like Westworld's always walking that mm-hmm. fine line between fuck who's marbles and what body and why do I care? And who's you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, and so everyone's it's, it's, a robot. Why do I care? Yeah. Same thing, with Rick and Morty, when you have that kind of crazy technology that can solve and do anything that, you know, it, it's very hard to 
you know keep the audience engaged so um mm-hmm. yeah that that's that fantastic technology indistinguishable from magic is is a hell of a drug uh i'm I'm curious to see how the show deals with the uh, recreational use of it going forward yeah all right we now get to my favorite scene of the episode where dusk shows dawn the newest addition to the mural commemorating their hunt of course dawn can't see the colors of the mural but he claims he can see the three giller raptors he shot so Dusk asked him to stay here and appreciate the subtleties of the latest edition. And then he leaves and Don puts on his color correction devices and sees, oh boy, I fucked up. There are actually six Gilly Raptors on this wall. Uh, and so he rushes to his quarters. He packs a bag within the Shadow Master, summons him to the Principium Tower. But Don ends up knocking him out with his aura, runs through the servant's exit into the underground irrigation system, just as they planned before. And he falls into a pool of water that's being cycled. So I begin the scene like fully engaged and engrossed because this dusk dawn thing was pretty badass. Yeah. And I knew he was fucking with them from the painting, you know, uh-huh. just the way just and but I'm like, what's ha- like it, when he puts on his corrective glasses, is he going to see like a Zurus hung from one of the, the orchard trees or like what kind of crazy <laughs> shit is he going to see? And just the six Gilly Raptors, um, especially with Bear McCree, he like really that music got yeah. after the ominous horns. Yes. And it, it felt like the perfect like I, you know, Don's like shitting his pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like you said, uh, uh, the way Terrence Mann did this with his hands on his shoulders and like respect and enjoy my <laughs> painting, son. <laughs> like it was just uh-huh. really really menacing and 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 it, it's great and then you know the shadow yeah. master we've known this guy's bad news since he showed up you don't show up as a shadow master and and not be up to no good but there's a lot of these little details i like did you notice like when he's walking down the princeps hall um yes. that, like all the cleons are like turn and, and that's yes. the way they work right but now uh-huh. they feel judgy right like and condemnatory and that was a really cool touch it was super cool uh, i love the stuff that they're doing with the the commentary about history here too right like the mm. or, or the the use of art to create commentary because if he is creating commentary right there he's 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 using the colors that Don can't see to then create a commentary once he can see them. It's actually really well uh, designed. This whole scene, I'm kind of blown away by how good it is. And Terrence works so well. It works so well. with Episode three, like Brother Dusk shuffling off the darkness, feeling kind of the weight of the judgment of history on him as well, walking the same Mm -hmm. hallway, and then young Brother Don, um who there's been something off this whole time. Now the Cleons are all judging him in the exact same way, finding him wanting. I, it, yeah. it's, it's really, it's really nice. Now I went back to being nervous because again, like this guy is walking through the, the Royal palace and, and like the guards is kind of like, uh, you know, he's easy. Just, just, I don't know, getting by with nervous looks and fast walks and stuff. And then he fugitives, Fugitives, uh, fugitive is himself off of this water recycler. And I'm like, what the fuck? How is this guy like this? This seems insane. Like if they can track yeah. his nano particles, then what? What? What the hell? He's not moving that fast. And he's still mm-hmm. on Trantor. I just kept on. Except there's just no way this is working. There's just no. This is like I'm like Princess Leia on the Millennium Falcon 
this is way too fucking easy, guys, which I guess, again, mm-hmm. this all makes sense in the context. But I was I was really, really kind of like, I don't know, guys, this is this is not great. It's yeah. not a good escape. No, I feel you. But yes, they do. They do take care of all that by the end of the episode. And, and actually, yes. like a lot of it, a lot of stuff they do after this in the episode lends a new context to these scenes and makes them even better in retrospect. Cause I think, you know, coming out of this scene, I had the question, like, why does dusk show his hand here? This is kind of a mistake on his part. And by the end of it, I understand perfectly why he does. It's to push him out of the palace, get those resistance, uh, get him in the hands of the resistance so he can track him there. It's, it all makes perfect sense. I really like it. They don't care about Dawn. He's already expendable. They want to get to the bottom of this plot. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I do wonder what the Golden Horse Rebellion is all about. I wonder if there is more of that in the books, if that's something I, like a nod to book fans. It doesn't ring a bell. And the other thing is that I was unsure about is, is Empire here implying that the genetic dynasty brought an end to the robot wars? Because my impression was that this was something that happened many, many thousands of years ago. Um. Like no one really remembers what it's like to be robots, but the way he stated now, it could be in the exact same way that like someone in a Western style democracy might allude to things happening in ancient Athens, Greece as part of the tradition, you know, like this is some kind of democracy that stretches back thousands of years, like, like Mm -hmm. some kind and the way that the empire is 11,000 years old and we are the ultimate perfection of that empire, but we still draw a lineage back. You know, this galactic empire still is a one unbroken line that goes back to blah, blah, blah. It's just, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know, but I, that's something I want to ask lawyer if we can get him back for a wrap up is like, yeah, can you clean up some of that? Because I, and I think it matters. Like, you know, if robots mm-hmm. are something that was recently wiped out, um, that changes how I think about Demerzel and how she fits in with the, the Cleon dynasty versus if she has been kind of evading and in the background for multiple thousands of years as the only robot left that right. changes how I think about her as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Let's move on to uh, a really quick scene here. Uh, Salvor suits up and jumps out to Hugo's ship and wakes it up. Do do you think that they continue to like this, uh, the space jump, you know, like she it's dramatic and she almost misses it. Um, I almost wonder if they're going to make a point because clearly they're telling young and experienced Salver. And I think that is going to then transition to a more mature practiced, uh, a capable Salver later. Are they going to use like her ability to nail these jumps as like a sign of that personal growth? Cause I'm not sure why, they keep going back to the fraught spacewalk well in, in this episode. Um, I mean, this is the quote-unquote exciting part of the show, right? <laughs> the more action-oriented part of the show. Might I, just I guess be if that. they were to... And I don't know, maybe that's maybe that that's really great in the 16 to 24 demographic or, or whatever. I'm yeah. just like, as the 44-year-old uh, old science fiction geek. I don't know that I need every episode to be jam packed with excitement. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, uh, especially stuff like this. That's, uh, you know, like there's no fucking way Salver's just going to skip off and go into deep space. And if she <laughs> is, then it's only so Hugo can swoop and, uh, and save her. And that would look good in today's political climate. So let's just have, yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I maybe, maybe in season two, we can do less of that. 
maybe need to make better they, use maybe of people are crazy boots. about it right yeah like, you come in feet first and you're pretty much good they mentioned that in the official pod that there was like kind of um in their minds not sure if the ship had artificial gravity or was big enough to sustain some form of gravity versus not sure if there's a mag boots thing and so they kind of like it's a little muddled gotcha so but because you're right mag boots seem like they would just uh may break your ankles though sure Get a good stick and then you scale that momentum uh also also just fire uh, did, did she run out of go juice in her shoot because it was uh it was a long jump maybe and it's like she's jumped twice now in the same suit so maybe yeah maybe yeah she doesn't have because they mentioned i think she they, they, i don't have subtitles for these these screeners but i think she said four moons that's some kind of like that's some kind of oath they swear on terminus four moons that's a jump you know hmm. All right. Yeah, I missed that without subs. Uh, all right. Dawn's flushed into an area of the irrigation or hyperloop system where a bunch of humans are squatting. He gives one of them his aura in exchange for his jacket and asks for directions to the district that Azura lives in. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's much to talk about here. This, yeah, this is shades of uh, Bruce Bruce Wayne trading his coat to the, the, the Russian guy and Batman begins. Um, yeah. Seeing the unwashed masses, the underclasses of, of Trantor under here. Um, and he's just. Uh, I wish I, I thought it would be more dramatic. Um, if there was flashes that people recognize the Empire. And that's and the people thing. Are, like we, starting to whisper and point to yeah. him and he feels like he's got to keep moving. He's got to disguise. And I didn't feel like they established that. They this, don't. This kind no one ever seems to even hint at the recognition there. Which is surprising. Yeah. Like, I'll give it to him. And actually, um, if you listen to the, the official podcast, they said that even the guy on uh, the Maiden recognized Empire. Because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. we, were, we were wondering about that. Did he recognize him or not? It would be kind of um, impossible for us to believe that he wouldn't recognize him. They said he did. So yeah, everyone here is going to recognize the leader of the planet that they live on, right? When I he's would think so. ensconced in a massive statue the size of especially when he's dressed up in his pale blue day or dawn pajamas, you know, like he is right. in an immediately recognizable context and setting and costume. And again, it would have done nothing but make the scene more exciting unless you want me to believe that this is like literally all staged. Like everything is mapped out. All these people. And, and there's so many people. That's, I, that's what I'm saying. It just doesn't. It, and it would have played better. And it would have felt like he because I, I felt like as soon as he got out of that muck tunnel, he's mm-hmm. just made in the shade. There was no tension. It was just done. And I, I think if he got the coat on and he's kind of like, you know, over like he could start to kind of relax and put himself into her world, which I think worked in the next scene. But I could use a little bit more like I'm still being hunted. I need to stay on my toes. And it just felt like once he got off the palace grounds, I know he wasn't. But it felt like, from an audience perspective, he was kind of on easy street. Yeah, yeah, and it also they do a little bit of showing that the coat he's like huddled in it and he's cold. Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. shivering. It almost made it feel like he got the coat because he was cold, not because he wanted a disguise, right? Rather than he needed, yeah, the the the, the which which makes him, you know, one of the few things he did. I think getting the coat to disguise is like, you know, one of the few things he did that felt savvy. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. I just can't help but think man how much more is that aura worth than some ratty code Dude, and what is that guy gonna like, do uh, with it <laughs> yeah right he's gonna be the ruler of whatever district the hyperloop you, district yeah you do wonder what kind of um 
I, that's that's the thing. It's like it would have been also really interesting if uh, they did establish that this was all set up as part of the network. Like, you know, that old cooter uh, showed up at his apartment and like handed the new day or the new dawn his aura because they need the aura. Uh, right. You yeah, know, yeah. they can't touch this guy without it mm-hmm. and they can't harvest it. So like it had been but they didn't. So I don't know. All these uh, underclass people just don't give a fuck. Mm hmm. All right, then we go back to Salvor trying to use Hugo's ship to contact Terminus. Uh, no active comms are detected. Hugo comes flying to, up to the ship, though, and she brings him in and says, uh, he says, I survived by knocking myself out, and she gives him an update, says the vault's null field is expanding, and she has to go back to stop it. There's a lot of emojis in this scene, and then the, the plan involves the Thespins knocking out the Invictus jump drives so Terminus can have the ship and Hugo agrees to help and then he he goes to chat with him. Yeah. Um they they did use the scene to establish the the fist guns, the detachable gun controls, because mm-hmm. she was going to instead of just, I don't know, moving the ship a little bit out of the way, she was gonna blow Hugo away. Um but there's some nice stuff like, you know, for going back to their first scene this together. Him saying that the one thing I know is I have this unbreakable trust in Salver Harden, and she uses that against him, <laughs> like you do sometimes in relationships. Like, hey, you know, where's mm-hmm. this unshakable trust? And because uh, he's scared, you know, he makes the 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 pitch to every every lover does when shit's real and the obligations of your your uh, your 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 sweetheart uh, really seems in. in, in to their continued safety and happiness you're like shit fuck we can just go man yeah we can just, we can just just hit the bricks there's nothing that says we gotta stay and she's like no nah, I, I got i gotta see it through I, it's, it's yeah, yeah I, I liked it it was a pretty powerful scene i thought um both of these actors did a great job uh hugo doesn't he, he doesn't have to do much here he's he's pretty stoic but you can see like there's something going on underneath that you know, he's he's not going to break, but his eyes are welling up. Um, he's you know. plus it does require faith because the last time they trusted the in her intuition, her dad died and they they uh-huh. all got taken prisoner. So it's not like that. This has been, you know, just an unbroken string of successful coin tosses. There's been a misstep or two. So I thought that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that it's really being tested there. I will say. I think they ought to look in uh, the Hugo ought to look into something called like a docking bay. Yeah, for the 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 uh, his ship, because doing spacewalks to and fro. I mean, bro, it's a rough way. It's a rough way to get from ship to ship, man. Yeah, I imagine there's not a lot of mid space uh, docking in this universe. Yeah, it might be like it might be like, hey, smart guy, why don't you have a docking port on your car? Right. Like, oh, you just you just (laughs) use it for high speed travel and don't like. Okay, fair, fair point. Fair point. Uh, but I've still seen enough movies to know that cars can end up in space. So mm. maybe that'd be a it's good true. idea. That's true. In real life, even turns out true. All right. Is there a speech about uh, what the scar means to the underclasses um, happens as Dawn walks through the city picturing uh, Azura in those places that she told him about. And he eventually makes it to her apartment. They make out and she burns his stinking jacket. He worries about the Empire tracking him here and she invites him to wash off the stink in his sh- in her shower. And while he's in the bathroom, she fetches a gun and starts taking shots at him. Now, this is confusing. 
if you need his blood, you probably don't want it spilled all over the floor. I, I don't know. Was she shooting him with well, like some pulse stun rifle thing? Yeah, or it could handgun? be some right. You know, like they always talk in the expanse, like they had those gelatin rounds. It does look like they are blowing holes in concrete. Yeah. So I don't know. The other thing <laughs> is like much. he's got that nanotech. So even if you shoot him in the stomach, like I don't think he can die. Like yeah. he's got multiple levels of not dying built into him. Okay. Um, maybe if so you shot you just, him in the head, but I, I pr- presume she's not doing that. Yeah, that's um, fair. Um, he runs. He's captured by another version of himself and some goons. Um, and th- this is where it's really hard to believe that no one would recognize him. Right? There are two versions of him running two around out emperors, there, both in pajamas. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's causing a ruckus. Um, yeah, but they might. I don't know. They might. The, the cell might own that little square that's outside her apartment. Who the knows? little bubble, I, bubble garden, whatever it is. I did think like. So when I thought of the scar, I thought it was going to be something like Zion from the Matrix, you know, where it's like very crowded and everybody's stuff on top. But you have that little, little tiny sliver of like freedom and it's like they're disadvantaged and they might not have the best clothes and they might not have the best houses and stuff. But but, you know, they're free. They have a they have a mm-hmm. they form of freedom that they've never known before. Like there's this like little sliver that's outside the Empire's direct control. The way it was envisioned on screen felt like the scar had been hella gentrified. Like I was going to ask you what you thought about the aesthetic of it. Yeah, um, it, it felt very like the nice parts of downtown L.A. around the Staples Center. Uh, it felt mm-hmm. very like, yeah, like people had moved in and made like uh, the upper classes, people that are like the gardeners for the Imperial Garden. Uh, they, they, they really like the authenticity that living in the scar provides. So they've paid through the nose to get on the very edge of the scar and made it all bougie. That's kind of what I <laughs> assumed. What like, like she me. has a really good job, right? Like she has to. Yeah. She yeah. is not an underclass. There's no, no fucking way. There's no fucking way. The empire is going to have untouchables. Yeah. You know, uh, doing his gardening. So that's, that was me. Like. I, I kind of understood, okay, this is not like the true underclass. The true underclass has far less. They're living in that fucking no, hyper They got, they got tunnels, pushed right? out five years ago or something. Exactly. They're down and, and it's kind of like, so I, it, this could be in my mind. I'm like, okay, it could be that they're trying to go for the Zion thing. And they just, again, didn't have the extras for it. So they had to go for something a little bit, you know, or it could be commentary on how out of touch Azura is. She thinks that she's a freedom fighter fighting for the poor huddled masses. She doesn't even know where the poor huddled masses live. Right. Like, yeah. go down into the shit tubes, lady. That's that's the real. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and there might be some commentary of like, you know, it wasn't it the case that like all of the uh, the Saudi nationals that attacked uh, and, and 9-11, they were also they were all from fairly wealthy, well-educated backgrounds. It mm-hmm. wasn't like they were though people f- ground under the imperial boot of America. I wonder if there's some co- deliberate commentary about, um, you know, like, like where we think revolutions and revolutionary forces come from and where they actually tend to come from in, in wealthy societies. Could be. Um, I yeah. don't know. Um, I am more interested now in this part of it, right? I didn't realize like obviously there was a resistance the star bridge doesn't get blown up without a resistance movement but it seems like it it goes deeper than that than just like this one act um Mm -hmm. that was kind of just the beginning and i am super curious to see where this goes because i when we get to that scene um the the nanobot scene where they're taking them out and the whole game changes here i want to talk about that because it's 
fascinating to me where this could go. Yeah, for sure. All right, let, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, next up, Hugo leads the Thespins to the Invictus jump drives and the bridge where Farah has escaped her bindings. And then Salvor lands on the planet to find everyone in town incapacitated. She approaches the vault and finds her mom laying feet from it with the Prime Radiant in her hand. Salvor takes it and channels Harry and Gale in order to open the vault. The Null field's disabled and her mother wakes up and then a door appears at the vault. Um, I like to think that her mom had through careful scientific principles and study of psychohistory and mathematics figured out that the prime radiant was connected to the null field and what had a last like was trying to solve the problem. I don't know how the hell she escaped from the Nacreons and got mm-hmm. here. I would love to know that. Well, but- I didn't. So last episode, didn't she tell the Anacreons, hey, we need to fix this because it's going to take us all out. So maybe True, they, they let were, her seem to be very skeptical. She seemed to be all uh-huh. alone out there. Um, yeah. So I, I, I there, there's I think there's enough there that I'm not like, yeah, this is bullshit. Yeah, but like yeah. I, I what I'm saying is like. I like that her mom got to where Salver was at with probably studi- studious, you know, work instead of intuition. Sure. Um, that like some, you know, like she is sure the chosen one, but like it's almost suggesting that like had coins bounced a few different ways that um, the terminus people didn't need saving by the chosen one. They could have done it themselves. And also mm. open question about whether uh, Salver could have solved the puzzle if it hadn't been for her mom, you know, kind of figuring out and like passing out in the middle of solving it. Right. Like yeah, if, yeah. if her mom wasn't lying there with the prime rate in her hand, stretching to the vault, would Salver have been able to figure this out in time? Right, she spends the next three weeks trying to figure out what's going on while everybody lays unconscious in Terminus. Right, and the uh, Thespans come and land because they're they don't believe in this null field shit, and they, they, they crash <laughs> land, and yeah, it's just this whole fucking deal. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I really love that overhead shot with everybody knocked out on the ground. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, and then you know the moment we talked about earlier with the the open your fist moment, right? This is the thing that her dad has been telling her she needs to just kind of relax and and let the universe speak to her, and it does here in the form of a vision. Is she seeing this, or are we seeing this as an audience understanding what's going on in her mind? I I think that this is. Um a heightened, more concentrated version of the visions just she's always gotten, you know, like this is, but, but like, mm-hmm. it seems kind of like she's tapping into like her genetic memories of her mother or something, or she is able to tap into her mind or memories somehow because of their connection. I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to assume the father, the, the father, daughter's uh, mother relationship between Gail and Rache and her. Right. Um, it's not clear. I, I think that there's still some some mysteries about exactly what we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. But it does seem like, you know, she had the memory of her mother being able to figure this out on her own and opening it. And I got it right on my second try. And then you see. So I, I felt like I was I, I went I, I grokked with it. Yeah. OK. Uh, there's a lot of also uh, narration here from Gail talking about history. Right. Um, and how. The, the only invention that humans have come up with that can alter the present through the past is history. Uh, I, I think that's 
interesting. Um, is is that uh, so? I mean, is that of a piece with you know Harry coming out of the vault? I mean, he is literally history at this point, right? He's dead. And the guy who uh, lies interprets history, sure to, to predict sure. the future. I mean, and he's he's definitely changing the present at this point. What was your reaction to the vault opening? Because I was flipping the fuck out. When I think started opening and digging into the earth and like transforming. I was like literally like, what <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea what was going on. I like, I guess I hadn't envisioned what the vault opening would look like ever. I assumed it would just be some sort of dissipation or something, and it would just sort of be gone. But yeah, when it cracks open like a walnut, and then you've got like a, a heavenly gate there, I didn't. I didn't know what was I was still I, I thought I was yeah still, she was going to go through it and maybe end up on Helicon or something like it was dude I yeah. I thought it was going to be this like essentially um term termini fire drill that like Salver's going to walk through and find out in Helicon and somehow was going to uh did reroute Gale the term or but I was like holding oh, that hope was like Jesus Christ, can Harry Seldon just please step out of this thing? <laughs> right. Can he fucking like or, you know, it's like even like um, Salvor going in and like experiencing some kind of heaven's gate where she communes with Harry. Like sure. that, I'm like, just can, uh, can fucking Harry step out of this thing? And thank God he did, because I was really like, I just don't know. I don't know how you're going to because I secretly hope that the, the rift between the book lovers and the show watchers can be healed, you know, that the book people can relax a little bit and like they're not you know like this is still going to be 80 90 percent foundation and those core mm-hmm. thoughts but they're they're also playing a little bit of jazz with it that's that's what i what's what i'd like for the show yeah um, me too. and like if it was going to be some kind of stargate shit uh yeah, yeah i was like wow i don't i don't know so it, I'm, it definitely would have changed my here. perception of of where the show is willing to go um yeah. and, and what show i'm watching you know and this yeah. would have been like, foundation in name um and sure. maybe in spirit but certainly not in plot this is much more in line with the plot of the book foundation yeah 100 percent. that's the thing because like I, we, we talked about this in the feedback episode i was prepared like if the show decided to just ditch the central some of the central concepts of the selden crises and do something completely different i'm like that's not invalid um sure. and i'm, I'm and, and you don't have to throw out all of psycho history the rules of robotics to do that kind of stuff too mm-hmm. that said i was really glad to see jerry harry step out of that thing so yeah if for no other reason than we still get jared harris on the show because when her mom's like is that a door i'm like what the <laughs> fuck what is happening it is it's just a one-way door uh okay don wakes to find his nanobots being transferred into a copy of himself we've got a double dawn situation I, i'm gonna call the dawn from the palace well yeah the dawn from the palace dawn one and Don two is the Don who's uh, trying to steal his nanobots. Okay. With that said, let's recap the rest of this scene. Don two tells Don one that he's planning to take his place in the palace. And he's able to do that because he's genetically identical to Cleon the first, unlike Don one who was genetically altered by whatever group Don two is working with. They're about to kill Don one when dusk and the shadow master come flying in killing Don two and taking Azura captive, the surviving Dawn tries to plead. Now we're back to just one Dawn, so we're good here. I can just say Dawn now. Tries to plead his case as victim, but Dusk sees uh, his flaws as an embodiment of the fragility of their dynasty. And then he tells Dawn he can plead his case today when he returns. And we get an ominous 
shot of day of Lee Pace just staring at Terminus. Or sorry, Dude. not Terminus, uh, Trantor <laughs> as he's returning. Oh, I I want so bad to see what day makes of this dawn situation right because i think it's going to be pretty <laughs> fucking glorious this is um, a just wait until your dad gets home situation that's literally what dust <laughs> oh, told him said, and and then you see dad pull into in the station wagon yep. and he's fucking lit underneath like he's telling a scary right. story he just uh, got a demotion at work yeah, yeah like he this is this this is very not a good this is not a day this is a very stormy cloud covered overcast day this is not a bright oh, yeah. sunny optimistic day so i'm like as soon as in fact i was so moved by anticipation for what this is going to look like when he tears literal strips of ass from from, from dawn <laughs> next episode that I, I i looked at the time left because i was like oh man if uh-huh. there's 20 minutes left i might get to see it and there's like 10 i'm like fuck yeah. i'm gonna have to wait till next week but uh that's the thing i yeah, just want to watch the next episode after all of this shit happens i just want to see the next episode Dude, harry selden steps out of so the bad. vault give me the oh, next episode it's such a such a multifaceted and probably for the first time this whole season the dual cliffhangers at both terminus and empire really really worked where it's like man i just want to see it yeah um and and the way they got here is like they were maximum like cruel to Dawn. Like Azura is like sitting on New Dawn's lap, and mm-hmm. you know they're both taunting about him, like what a baby he is, and how he, he is. is. I mean, he, I mean, they're, everything they're saying is true. Yeah. Um, but it's also not Dawn's fault, and no. it's also a just you know huge personal betrayal that that he probably has never felt before. You know, like he's mm-hmm. getting his heart broken, and not only that, but like. She's going to kill you, dude. She's going to steal other things and make you special. Supplant you, tear down your family from the inside and, and cast you aside like a husk when she's done. So I really think this scene is good in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. It does a lot to recast scenes we've seen before, like that mural scene. Um, that takes on a whole new richer meaning after seeing this. Because um, we know that this was all part of the plan. The, it also kind of it, it it makes the gossamer court scenes in in previous episode so much richer too because it's not just that that was a one-time thing where he sort of takes him aside and you know this is a thing that all happens to all dawns it might be but it shows you the control mechanisms in place inside the palace right it's more than just we've got some concubines who we're going to try and get you to talk to before we erase their memories They've got these dragonfly things, um, which are seemingly given to the dons to use, and yet they're being monitored. Um, There's just like everything. Yeah, the nanobots are being tracked, right? All of this is creates a very oppressive feeling uh, in the palace in retrospect. And I think this scene really helps that. Um, And it it nails down like such a great dichotomy that the empire is literally in charge of everything, but his own fucking life. Yeah. He has no privacy in a very literal sense. He's ultimately replaceable. He does not yeah. matter. He's singly, singly the most important personage in the universe and the one with the least amount of individuality. Um, I, I love that, the, that tension in that character. Yeah. The other thing it does is it set up exciting new possibilities. Cause I, my head is just swimming with like, okay, who is this resistance movement? I mean, I, I know their goal now. Their goal is obviously to take down the Empire from within. It's not just mm-hmm. Starbridge stuff. I, although I do link Which this to the Starbridge. 
same same attack um and so i'm starting to think okay who could want the empire taken down and immediately what pops into my head is harry selden the psycho historians and he has a following that's growing they make a point of that right um how people are starting to hear of him and believe in him now that he's martyred i mean that this could be a multi-stage plan by harry selden to take down the empire from within because he might see that as you know an inevitable thing that needs to happen to speed up the collapse of the empire thereby speeding up the the dark ages right the the revival from the dark ages that could all be of a piece um i'm not certain that that's happening and i don't know that there's enough to say one way or another if that's true but that's yeah. where my head goes there's two problems of this scene that I had. One, I think in retrospect is not a problem. One that might be, but it's like kind of who cares is that um, these people are so well equipped and patient and long thinking in their plans. And I felt like there was a lot of question mark, question mark, question mark around how are you going to get Dawn back into the palace? Like this guy's gone rogue. And are you going to explain mm-hmm. it like, oh, well, I just was stupid or did like I, I was I wish I knew a little bit more of like how they plan to reinsert that. But that doesn't matter because ultimately they get shut down by the Empire. Yeah. Um, the second, like, um, I remember thinking that, like, if I find out that Azura is part of some kind of plan. That I'll be disappointed because how the fuck do you. Do you do you put a person that just happens to be outside the window? This guy's going to take a header off of. And I, I think I'm fine with that now because they clearly set forth a, a, a scenario where they have subtly manipulated Dawn since he was born to, right. you know, he's been, he's been like just pushed and molded into this trajectory. And I, and maybe it's not just Azura that's in, that's in the, the palace. Maybe they've got other, you know, spies as well. Um, I think that's interesting. And and since we didn't know, like, you know, not even uh, Demerzel with all of her, you know, skills and abilities and the power of the uh, the Empire could find out who actually was the button man for this, the, the star bridge. Mm-hmm. I assume this stuff is connected, but I wonder if we're going to start to get a little bit more connections or the Empire is going to realize how deeply compromised they are. Um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty compromised. Uh, it, it, I'm, I'm coming up with questions about the cloning process and mostly the monitoring process of these clones. Like how do you hatch a Dawn that isn't perfect? Um, Well, they were, I, they, they mentioned that there was some mag, uh, well, I wrote down the name magnetic nanoparticle uh transfection. So apparently he was a pure clone that was manipulated over time like in the first few years of his birth to, to be calm colorblind and to, you know, they remap the genetic code of these nanobots, but that's still just, that just punched the question one layer down. Like, is there, but on the other hand, like, I don't know that yeah. they fucking constantly check, check the dimpers DNA like every day. Like, Oh yeah, you're still Cleon. You know, like why Probably not? Yeah. Once you get like the Imperial doctors, like look at the baby and be like, yep, this is a one right. Like they, they probably don't do that all the time. I would suggest they put those protocols in place now. Uh, now yeah. they know that this can be done. Go full Gattaca, man. Every time you take a piss, every time uh-huh. you shed a skin. Yeah. Like just constantly do the Gattaca protocols. It seems like it might be. And I, I guess that's kind of exciting seeing the, uh, the fact that this empire is going to be the eternal foe, seeing how they try to 
stave off some of these disasters because clearly, yeah. you know, what what Day's done on the Maiden is just going to probably make the situation worse in ways we can't predict. Like everything they're trying to do, yeah. it's you know, the t- the t- the tighter you 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 tighten your grip, the more the more uh, planets slip through your fingers. You know, mm-hmm. the Princess Leia uh, theory of governance. Yeah, I think that's isn't that the quote that Gail goes with at the end of this? <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, all right, the Anacreons temp- attempt to keep Salvor from going into the door in the vault. Uh, Thespin's land and force the Anacreons to surrender. Then Farrah flies in, shoots down the Thespin ships, then plays her Uno reverse card. Right. Forces the, <laughs> the Thespins to surrender. I think this is the weakest part of the episode by, by a long mm. shot. Um, yeah. Until Harry steps out. But Salvor suggests the Terminus, Anacreon, and Thespis all band together to leverage the Invictus in a better way than just destroying it. Um, and the vault opens, and Farrah tries to shoot it apart. So Salvor puts an arrow through her throat and then Harry Selden emerges from the vault. Which pretty kind, kind of saves the scene for me. I yeah. 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 I, I mean, it, it I, I want to excuse the old switcheroo that happens one too many times here. But yeah, Harry stepping I, out of I that think, vault excites me. I think they're counting on space psychosis to like smooth some of the gaps, but like, I didn't think Farrah acted significantly more psychotic than she is baseline. No. Like her murdering the two pilots. Um, that's just kind of what she does. Yep. Her, you know, ignoring her men's legitimate, like concern over the nihilism of her plan is very on brand. Her wanting Salver Harden to shut the fuck up is very much been a part. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't like it, like her just turning to guns onto the vault i think is that also but like i I felt like i don't know i needed a little bit a little bit more crazy from her and her lieutenant Um, yeah i was watching that and just thinking that's so farah i I don't see why (laughs) yeah other than some physical manifestation i think they would have had a hard time telling me that she is significantly mentally disturbed so the, I haven't read these books in, like I said, 30 years, but I recall that this is a plot. They you know they, they, they talked about this in the, the main podcast, which I haven't listened to yet, of course. But like last week, they're talking about like this whole Invictus plot is from the books. It's a it's, it's a part of the books. Mm-hmm. And my recollection is when this happens, Salvar Hardin is like, you know, firmly the governor of Terminus and Terminus is well established and, and Salvar is very. Um, savvy and he's very uh, you know with it and he's got a plan and and more importantly he's got the Anacreons these barbarian kingdoms kind of bent over a barrel because they want the warship but they have no ability to operate the, the ship so they start off the situation where it feels like the Terminus people are being kind of like put into prison labor you know compelled to but but then they realize that, like, who's really in control of the ship, the people barking the orders or the people that are the only ones that can actually control it. Yeah. Um, and from that position, they force the barter and they force the cooperation like yeah. like these. They, they're, they're compelled. And I think. This you described it as weakness. I felt like this is the strain of the merging of that plot from a much more mature, confident um a dynamic salvor overlaying that plot onto this more embryonic uh uh naive 
uh, version of Salvor mm-hmm. because it feels like her big, you know, appeal to Farah and the Anacreons feels like a complete ass pull. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Put aside your literal millennia of bad blood mm-hmm. and your skepticism of us imperial citizens and everything. What if we just work together <laughs> and like shared time shared this bitch? You know, it's like it felt desperate. And like what's wild is I felt like when I was, you know, a couple episodes ago, I thought like they they had this plot firmly in hand that like all of the technicians were that 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 the Anacreons were relying on to hijack the ship were in the places and and they couldn't run it without them and Mm. that they were going to force that bargain. But they one by one killed all those people and set this situation up. So like I said, I think it's weakness because you have. Fair, like it's it's a desperate salvor rather than a confident salvor spring in a trap it's like she's she's like please mm-hmm. please listen to my crazy plan um yeah and I maybe do, the other yeah i know i agree with you um it is a crazy plan i don't think it ever had a chance of working just saying hey we should all work together is foolish in that moment it's naive um and I, I do think they'll round Salvor out into someone who's more competent, someone who's, um, you know, better, better able to persuade people eventually of, of going along with her crazy plan. Someone who doesn't love her uh, and trust her unconditionally. So mm. I, I think they'll get there. I think this is her. It, this never had a chance of working and her saying it, I think, is showing that immaturity. Right. It's not just like the show trying to say, Hey baby, this has a shot of working. I think the show knows it doesn't have a shot of working. Am I wrong about that? I I don't know because it's also a mature, I think a maturing showing her maturing into her father's philosophy of that. She's not going to result to violence. And then she does even, she has to, but then she, then she's forced to do it. So which also shows the immaturity, the inability to, you know, be master of her, uh right <laughs> well master of her domain has uh some connotations right. but right so and and so she has to be literally saved by the god from the machine <laughs> right um and but but I, I again like so we've talked about this in other shows even great shows like breaking bad like you know there's a couple points where like i almost stopped watching in season two because of some crazy ass you know coincidence ass pull plot from the gilligan like this and I always call it like, you know, um, you know, you, you're you, you have to get off the interstate because it's under construction and it's not quite fully baked. You got to drive over gravel road to get back on. And if the rest of the interstate's great, then I don't ever mind, you know, uh, getting bogged in the back roads. Um, and I think, like I said, I got, I got a lot of faith in this production. I, I think that's what will happen. But we just saw like it's a great idea to show Salvor as a more inexperienced, unsure person mm-hmm. because she's a much more of an audience surrogate, you know can explain things and talk out loud and be, you know, it works really well. But when you pull this other plot from a later point in the story where they're not that person, it kind of the gears grind. They don't quite mesh. It's not fatal because, like I said, as soon as um, as soon as the Empire springs the trap on the Dawn plot, I'm like, oh, thank God. And as soon as Harry shows up, I'm like, whoo. Oh, well, that's the thing, right? Like Harry could have stepped out of that vault at any moment and shut this shit down. It's it's. It's almost an unforced error if there is an error here, because a I don't think they should have had Farah come back. I think she should have probably just died. Yeah, uh, before like because they they'd made they they like you could have had space psychosis second in command guy 
not fully in charge of his sure. capabilities, like trying to like and, and like you know he's he's he's, we, he's we've already spent several episodes bringing him closer to Salver's point of view. Mm-hmm. I think it would have worked a lot better putting him in the like impossible decision of like, are we giving up our plan? Are we going to trust these people or whatever? But yeah, I, yeah, I you lose some of that. the the ability to like show how naive uh, Salvor still is, but but I think it it would have made this seem less like. Haha, I got you. No, haha, I got you. No, haha, I got you. It, yeah. This back and forth, like flipping the tables n- numerous times in this scene, just didn't feel right to me. And there's also still a lot of questions. Like, now that I've seen this play out, why the fuck the null field? Like, wh- why would you do a null field that could potentially kill everybody in the colony unless they have the ability to ignore it? Like, what was the plan supposed to be? Right. Um, and if it like was relying on Gale, when was that another audible? Because Harry said that he didn't know that Gale had the the precog powers. Um, and but also, she did understand the, the Prime Radiant, and he knew that, right? True, but like, unless she had the power to resist a null field, she would have ended up no better than uh, Salvor's mother, which she might. You know? we, we never got to see it. So it's like, yeah, like what? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. It uh, feels like there's going to be a lot of explaining and heavy lifting in the next episode to kind of smooth some of this stuff out. But the other question I had is, so like, you know, how how is this supposed to work? And <laughs> did the vault like why did the vault dig into the ground, split open, send a big energy spike into the sky to just summon a hologram of Harry right. Selden? Like, even if it's his full AI, like the ship didn't fucking do that. And she put the <laughs> it's Harry knife, Selden so clearing like, his throat. It's it is. Do, like, do I have your attention? <laughs> Or, or like, you know what they said in Rick and Morty? He's like, ah, you know, Morty, you got to extend this ramp real slow. It makes these guys dicks hot. Like, <laughs> right. is, is he just like putting on a sh- Is this literally Wizard of Oz shit? It's theater. Like, you know, yeah. it, it could be. It could be. It could be. But I yeah. do think that they need to answer like some of those some of those questions. Like, what the fuck was the plan for this first crisis? How was the vault supposed to work? And uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I hope because his answer is like, I feel like those questions maybe can't wait till next season. But I guess, you know, I still got a whole hour of television ahead of me. And you've got a speech from Harry coming. I mean, he doesn't just walk out, say, hey, how's it going, guys? And then anything going on I should know about? Like, (laughs) this looks fucked, bros. I'll see you in another (laughs) hundred years. Hope uh, hope you do better. No, no, I think I think he's probably going to deliver some uh, pertinent information to Terminus. We'll see. Yeah, and they got a big bad fucking badass warship battle cruiser. I wonder what the Empire is going to make of that. Like, you know, is this more powerful than the Empire's whole entire fleet? Like, I don't believe that. Um, no. So, like, certainly. what is what is the value of this ship? And and I, I guess my thought is it's probably going to let these scientists and engineers study and reverse engineer a lot of this technology. Um, could be so that they're not reliant on the empire anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that will, that will probably nicely kick off because there's all the pieces like, you know, Hugo being the traitor kind of like there's, there's a lot of pieces here. I can see that them picking it together and, and, and resuming the, the main storyline. Uh, but I do think they need to clear up uh, some confusion and, and lay out more of like what hard it, because that's the, that's the thing in the books is like, um, Every time you got through a crisis or something, I came across, came away more impressed by like Harry's plan and the subtle Mac and, and the trust he had and, and the, the foundation and the process and how just kind of clever it all felt. Sure. And 
I still haven't felt the cleverness. No, it's I, all I, felt I very the messy. promise of it. It's all felt very like seat of your pants. Um, yeah. Ad hoc. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Pulling yeah, rabbits out of hats. And definitely going audibles. a different direction with that in the show. Um, and maybe it'll all come back around here. Maybe this is the yeah. moment where Harry has planned for all this. We get the reveals because Harry's been doing that revealing. Mm-hmm. Oh, this was actually part of my plan. And, you know, you've, you've played right into it. Maybe we'll have another one of those situations. Yeah. And, and more of an active part of the plan as well. Mm-hmm. So that's that's it, man. He steps out of the vault and I. For all of the reasons we talked about in this scene, I cannot wait for next week's episode. It works so great because Jared Harris plays this with this infuriating, like, cheerfulness. Uh-huh. Like, oh, this is better than I expected. I had no idea you'd all be <laughs> like, it's, uh, you know, and, and it's it's great because I felt like that's exactly what you needed from him coming out of that hologram. I, I will say in the book that Harry... It comes out of this gate. It's it's ex- exactly the same in that regard. Harry is what's in what's in the vault, uh, but he is not interactive like we've seen Harry on the ship with Gale. He's just delivering a message. That's really all he's there to do. Yeah, uh, I do yeah. wonder if they're going to stick with that, or since they've introduced the concept of an interactive Harry, if he's going to be more uh, back and forth conversation and and giving advice that's relevant to the things that have happened. And is the, is the Harry that's in the vault, the same thing that is Harry in his ship around Helicon, because it could be, or we're drawing conclusions about the Harry in the vault that is not valid for the, you know, the Harry in the ship was a direct memory consciousness. Maybe this is just more of a message in the bottle. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm Gary. I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle that next episode. Me too. Well, that's it for us. We actually have a little bit more. Uh, Jim and I want to talk a little bit uh, book stuff um, after after we get done uh, exiting this episode. But if you'd like to give us feedback based on what you've heard so far, Foundation of Bald Move is how you get it to us. Uh, we'll have that episode out uh, Tuesday. Um, so you got that that uh, until like, you know, Monday morning or so to get us feedback for inclusion in the episode. Uh gotten a lot of great feedback so far and i'm curious to see what you guys think of this episode because i do think this is going to be um what you would call one of them them their divisive episodes not not that there's been like a a a, a truly unifying um there's a civil war amongst the fans it feels like the ones that are just like hey we we dig this and the ones that like this isn't exactly like the book and we'll we'll see how the the community splits out but i think this might this this might be a little d- divisive. On, on the other hand, like Harry popping out of the foundation has got to yes. make you feel good if you're a book fan that like they're not just completely uh, going off off the off the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, foundation of bald We'll see you in a couple of days. And now let's uh, let's talk about the book stuff. Um, Gail's voiceover. Yeah, I think this is significant. What, you, you think there's a lot of significance in this. Break it down for me. Um when she says it's this is my history and i'm i'm telling it the way i'm going to tell it so she gets to add the commentary all that stuff that to me says like we speculated very early on i think maybe the first or second episode um or first or second week that gail might these voiceovers might be the reading from the uh, encyclopedia galactica that you have in the book which mm-hmm. is like a retrospective thing right it's like you're reading from a finished work that you know the foundation succeeded in creating. Uh, And so that in my mind kind of says that she is going to start the second foundation and she is going to see this project through. 
That's interesting because I thought you're going. I don't know if you've seen any of these theories that Gale could be the mule. Which I is have one seen of those, the, yeah. the outliers that threatens to wreck the foundation, um, which I've kind of I was favoring that myself. Um, but but then last episode or last feedback episode, the person has sent in the sleeper theory. Um, yeah, like, you know, I, I think it, that 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 fits more into like your interpretation of this thing. Yeah, or um, maybe she goes back to Synax after the wave yeah. 137 years and sets up that second foundation and succeeds yeah. in creating the Encyclopedia Galactica, which is essentially what she's reading from here. Yeah. It, 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 this- it just uses a framework of the book um, a little more directly. So the my recollection of this character, the mule, is they are a person who can man- manipulate people's emotions. Um, which I think they're changing into full-blown like telepathy or this intuition. Um, or maybe not. Maybe they're just introducing a second phenomena. The other like chief distinguishing thing about the mule, other than he's funny looking, is that he's sterile, which is why he got the nickname the mule. He's some kind of hybrid creation that can't. So like he's a he's a limited threat because he can do a lot of influence, but he's never going to be like uh, a, a new species of human, you know. Um, mm. I wonder because like I I. When we're talking about mule theories, like everyone's looking at the fact that Gale has got this psychoactive thing and and then you can kind of squint and see that being a mule. And she seems like she's really pissed at Harry and she's got an axe to grind. And so she's got like arch nemesis kind of mm-hmm. written all over her. But the sterile aspect, if if they establish that the Cleons are all sterile, which I know Goyer has said that that's how he's views them. I don't know that that's actually been in the show yet. And now that they got this thing where. They've introduced technology that nanobots can alter empire at a molecular level and like, you know, change their phys- their 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 genetic structure. I wonder if like the mule's going to be one of the empire, one of the like, you know, descendants like that that has the nano stuff has gone wrong because of some jump drive thing or whatever. Um, there's they've, they've set up the, a curiosity in some of these like day, like being curious about what happens. Like, what if the Empire just commanded? I want to be awake for this jump. And what would that do to his, his genetic code? And his, uh, those are my two big candidates. You got the Gale as mule and perhaps the Emperor as the mule. But um, yeah, I mean, also, thing- those are like big. This is if this is an eight season episode, I was if you'd asked me, I'd be like, maybe they start laying the ground for the mule in season six. But holy shit, like <laughs> right. both of these theories posit. Way sooner than that. Way sooner. Um, oh, let me throw a wrinkle in here. We've already seen that Gale is fertile, right? They pulled the zygote from sure. her. And then with the leading theory would, would be proof of that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm assuming, look, that's assuming if you want to use that to rule out the mule, it's assuming that they want to directly do a one-to-one here with the, the, abilities and inabilities of the mule right it's not necessary that they keep the mule uh infertile so no it's not um and then some people might say well how do you know there's going to have be a concept the mule uh to begin with like it's a kind of blink if you miss it but in the very opening of this show when gail is referring to all the different historical figures that we're going to be talking about she name checks the mule it's like one of her first pieces of dialogue so, so it's going to it's going to show up sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Got anything? Well, else? That's all I got. Spoilery. No, okay. I, I just wanted to because that's the thing I was curious about how the voiceover tied in and, and, and you tied it up real nice. So, again, 
Uh, we'll be back in a couple days to consider your feedback. Uh, early next week, foundation at baldmove.com is how you get that to us. Thank you for listening. Thanks for liking and, and uh, sharing and, and spreading the word about the show. Keeps getting bigger and bigger each week. We appreciate that. Couldn't do it without your support. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to talk to you about the next episode. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>